Welcome to today's Community Cast. My name is Matt Morgan. I'm the pastor at Community Brookside, a new church plant in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We are so blessed by your presence, and we hope that today's content will bring you joy. So we're going to start out this morning by reading this morning's scripture. It's a scripture I think all of you guys are going to be familiar with um, because this is one of, I think, the church's favorite scriptures. So you can follow along on the screen. This comes from the book of the Psalms. This is chapter 23, and here's what the Word of God says for us today. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I think we, for the most part, we know this scripture. When is this scripture read most? Anybody know? Funerals. Do you know why it's read most at funerals? I don't either. (laughs) It's almost like we expect God to lead us when we die into this place of peace and stillness, but I think God wants more than that for us. I don't think this is something that has to be read over funerals. I think that's appropriate. But I think it's something that we should be reading for ourselves all the time because God wants us to be fully rested and fully restored. And that's what we're going to talk about today. There's a man named Mark Buchanan, and in his book, The Rest of God, Restoring Your Soul by Restoring Sabbath, he writes this. Hear this today. In a culture where busyness is a fetish and stillness equals laziness, rest is sloth. But without rest, we miss the rest of God, the rest he invites us to enter more fully so that we might know him more deeply. Be still and know that I am God. Some knowing is never pursued, only received. And for that, you need to be still. Sabbath is both a day and an attitude to nurture such stillness. It's both time on the calendar and a disposition of the heart, It is a day we enter, but just as much a way we see. Sabbath imparts the rest of God, actual, physical, mental, spiritual rest, but also the rest of God, the things of God's nature and presence we miss in our busyness. Have you guys had a busy week? I'm, wow, must not be. You guys were like, "Mm mm-hmm. Anybody had a busy week this week? Yes, okay. Kim, what time did you get home for the first time this week on Friday? 4.30, which is your normal time. What time have you been getting home? Like 2, two o'clock in the morning from school. She's a, an IT director at uh, Collinsville, is that right? Collinsville Public Schools. Going home at 2 o'clock in the morning is crazy. Your life has been a mess. Anybody else relate to that? I mean, maybe not 2 a.m. But a lot of us, we run around chasing our own tails. Life is busy. And our world today is fully bought into the lie that unless we're busy, we're lazy. Our jobs are demanding. Our children are demanding. Our spouses are demanding. Not you, honey. Everybody but you. Uh, Life is demanding. 
And we've got to be the ones to meet those demands, right? Like, I don't need your help. I can do this. I have to prove myself to the world because otherwise people will think I'm lazy, right? If we're not addressing those life demands at any point throughout the day, we've been told by society that we are just slacking. It's almost as if we're expected to go 24-7 without stopping, without resting, without taking time to restore ourselves. More output, more production, more go, 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 right? A lot of times, this is the moment in a sermon when I would say, now let me explain to you how important it is that you recognize how busy we are. But I think you know. I don't have to spend much time extrapolating on that because I think we all get it. How many of you guys can relate to this, right? You get up, you make breakfast, you get the kids up, you get them dressed, you get them ready to go to daycare, grandma's house, school. You try to get them to eat their breakfast, but they don't want to eat their breakfast because that's not what they like. They want something different today, something you've never had in your house, like Pop-Tarts that are like Fruit Loop flavored Pop-Tarts. It's the weirdest thing. And then you have to feed the dogs, and then you have to load up the car with the kids and the school stuff, and then you have to get your stuff, your laptop, all the things you need to do to meet your meetings. Then you have to drop the kids off at daycare, grandma's house, or school. Then you get to head to work, but then you get stuck in work. So then you're sending emails at every single red light you stop at just to get ahead of the day when you get to work and then you realize that all six of your meetings that day have been pushed up by about an hour because you accidentally put them in your calendar wrong and so then you have to uh, rinse and repeat like you have to continually do this stuff then you have to try to eat your lunch at your computer because you have to catch up on all the emails you missed earlier in the day when you had to stop at the red lights to do them then you have to go to pick up the kids after school and then take them to soccer or football or basketball or dance or whatever they're doing then you have to respond more emails and more texts while you're at that specific sporting event just to make sure that you don't miss anything but then you end up missing everything about your kids at dance and football and basketball and all those other things then you have to pick up dinner or you have to make dinner then you have to try to have a conversation with your spouse before you end up falling asleep mid-sentence once you hit the bed anybody else relate to that right life is demanding So if scripture is going to tell me that I can have my soul restored, that I can have some spiritual rest, then I'm fully in on that. Like, I want that. And so today I'm going to focus on part of our scripture that we just read about God restoring us and wanting us to have a fuller, more lively relationship with him through resting. So it comes to us from Psalm 23, 1 through 3. It says this, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me. Or sorry, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. So there are three things in this part of scripture that really stick out to me, and I hope that you heard them. These three things are the relationship that we have, the rest that we can get, and the restoration of our soul through Jesus. So let's talk about relationship for a minute. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. So let me be very clear. When I say this, how many of you guys were like, why would I not want a shepherd, right? Like when I was a little kid, I was always like, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Why don't I want God? Anybody get that? No? Just me? Just my misunderstanding of that? Okay, it was just me. All right. So the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want means I shall not be in need of anything. When God is our shepherd, that's what we need. We need God as our shepherd and the rest is just secondary. If we expect to receive the things promised in this chapter, a life without fear, comfort in the face of trouble, blessing in the favor of the eyes of our enemies, a life of plenty, goodness, and mercy, and a life eternal, we have to have a relationship with this God, our shepherd. 
A sheep is under the care of the shepherd and follows the shepherd, right? We've talked about this before, how the shepherd recognizes, or sorry, the sheep recognizes the, the shepherd's voice, right? And the, the sheep will follow the shepherd because they know him. The shepherd always leads them to places that are safe. The shepherd always leads the sheep to a place where there's enough. We must submit to the Lord and follow him. We should not live in any way we want to go or do whatever we want to do. We have to follow our God and be under his care. We have to let God be our shepherd. And the problem for us, though, is like, I want to be the shepherd, right? I want to do what I want to do. I want to give the commands. I want to make the decisions to be the leader of my own life. I want to do that. The problem with that mentality is that none of us have the answers. We think we do. We think we know the big plan, but really we just know a piece of something much, much larger than ourselves. Our lives are best lived in a relationship with God as our shepherd. When we know that our shepherd has our best in mind, and we're able to follow him. Only then do we actually receive what God has promised us, what God is telling us we can have through this scripture. But we're going to have to get out of the way. The second part of the scripture talks about rest. Oh, Lord, there is nothing like a good nap. Can I get an amen? Right? Naps are wonderful. Sometimes we just have to stop because we get so burnt out, right? If we don't stop to rest, sometimes everything about our life is going to suffer. Guys, I'm talking about your spiritual life. I'm talking about your physical body becomes sometimes ill when you don't take care of it and just stop. Our emotional lives can become a wreck and even our mental wellness sometimes begins to shake and become a little less steady. We have to be willing to just stop every once in a while. He makes us lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. God wants us to just stop and look around sometimes. When the Lord is our shepherd, he's going to nourish us and enable us to experience peace in the rest that truly refreshes and replenishes us. A nap replenishes my physical body. But being in the rest of the Lord replenishes everything about who I am. A sheep is not going to lie down in a pasture if it feels restless or fearful, right? When the shepherd causes a sheep to relax, it's going to be willing to lay down. The Lord wants us to rest and enjoy this peace. He's going to lead us into places of rich nourishment for our whole bodies, our spiritual body, our emotional selves, our mental selves. God is going to give us that nourishment because he's going to lead us to places of peace and serenity. If we let him, I don't know about you and how you experience rest, but I really experienced like the peace of God. When I've got a fishing pole in my hand, can I get an amen to that? There was a time in my life, early in my marriage, when I spent almost every free waking moment on a little two-man plastic boat in a little abandoned strip mine in Broken Arrow fishing. Good friend of mine named Mike, 
uh, owned a house right along this old strip mine, and it would, had filled in with water, and somebody had stocked it with bass and catfish and the biggest carp I've ever caught in my life. I find rest when I can be out on a boat just thinking about God, the church, and life, when I can just sit and listen to what happens around me, when I can feel the sun on my face and I can feel the breeze in my hair. Don't get me wrong, I absolutely love catching fish, but I also love just the incredible rest that being on a boat provides. There's peace in that. There's a rest for my soul. But where there is peace and rest and joy for you, I promise you, there's the enemy trying to steal that peace and rest and joy, right? There was one day when I went out fishing, and I'm going to tell you a fun story, when I actually felt the best I've ever felt in a long time, had a great time just slaying bass. And the, the devil brought that time to a, a total halt. So um, have you ever seen a fishing pole, right? We've all seen fishing poles. You ever seen a crankbait? You know what a crankbait is? Let me show you what a crankbait is. Uh, crankbait is. So a crankbait, uh-oh. All right. So a crankbait is this little guy right here. It looks like a fish, and it has two treble hooks dangling down. Let me show you this guy's here online. You see the treble hooks right there? Okay. All right. So this means there's a total of six barbed laser sharp hooks six of them on this one little crankbait this one happens to be a rapala dt fat three um if you ever want the best crankbait known to humanity i suggest you get the rapala dt fat three i've caught more fish on this than just about anything well one day i was out on my friend mike's boat and again, it's a little two-man plastic boat with a trolling motor. And I had gone under the bridge to the far side of the pond. There's a bridge you have to duck under. Like you have to literally put the seats down on the boat to go underneath this bridge. And there's a whole new world of fishing opportunities on the other side. So I had my fishing pole and I had my DT Fat 3. And if you're out on a boat, where do you like to fish in the spring? What do you fish up against? The bank. The bank. So you fish up against sticks and, you know, hanging over like greens in the water. You can sometimes see where fish are beginning to nest up by the bank where the water's a little bit warmer. So it's a springtime and I'm casting out and I'm, I'm reeling in and catching fish and it's just a beautiful day. And then I cast out once more and I hook a giant tree. So I knew that I had some pretty strong line on my fishing pole. I usually use about 16 pound test. And so I'm pulling and jerking and there's like a special move you can do to like snap your line. And sometimes it pops a crankbait off and I'm pulling and I'm jerking and I reel down and I'm pulling back. I don't want to lose this because each one of those DT fat threes is about $9. Don't tell my wife. So these, these fishing lures are relatively expensive. I don't want to lose it. So I'm, I'm pulling. I'm trying to just be careful and, and jerking and twitching and doing everything I can. And finally, I'm like, you know what? I got strong line on. I just heave it. And as it begins to fly back out off of that log, I see it in slow motion coming right at my face. Mind you, there are six laser sharp barbed hooks on the bottom of this lure. And as it's coming to my face, I do this move. Yeah. And I block it. So it bounces off my arm and, uh, oh wait, it doesn't bounce. Because two of those hooks have dug themselves into my bicep and my forearm. And now I'm pinned like this. Not a big deal. 
I have a free hand. So I set my fishing rod down on the boat. Actually, I pushed the button again to make sure that I have plenty of fishing line out and I don't want it to be too tight and drop my fishing pole in the water. So I push the button, let the, let the line come out a little bit. And then I happened to reach over and I'm trying to unhook it. And then I realized, oh no, because I'm wearing a bracelet. Do you guys remember burn-on bracelets, anybody? So a burn-on bracelet is a bracelet that's made out of paracord. And instead of tying it in a knot, you actually use a lighter to heat up both ends and you melt them together around your wrist or your ankle. So when I was in youth ministry, every camp we went to, we did a burn on and I would do three camps a year plus one mission trip. So four bracelets I had on that year and I had reached over to unhook the crankbait and while doing so, I wrapped up my four bracelets in another one of those six dangly hooks. So here I am caught on a boat like this. Mind you, I was on the other side of a bridge in a boat with a trolling motor that I had to somehow get underneath and go back over to get on land. So it just so happened that Mike's wife was at her house and so I pulled out my Motorola razor and I flipped it open and dialed it with my nose. And when I did that, I called Dory, Dory, help, I'm stuck. What do you mean you're stuck? Well, I'm out on the pond and I have somehow wrapped myself all the way locked up in fishing line and I need your help. Can you please bring a pair of scissors to the bank? So sure enough, Dory comes out, I see her and here's me trying to like maneuver the boat with the trolling motor, hands stuck like a crazy person and I can't move, guys. It is the worst feeling of my life. Finally make it to the bank. Dory cuts my hand free. I finally have one hand free and then I have to get a pair of pliers. Have you ever heard a, a hook leave human skin? It's a fun sound. It sounds like this. Bing! <laughs> it's, it's really crazy. And so finally I was able to get my arm free. And it was in that moment I realized that, man, this is gonna be someday a great sermon illustration about <laughs> sin, right? Even in that moment, when I was out trying to rest, I was trying to receive just some, some freedom and some air and just get my wits about me and try to just rest and be restored by the Spirit of God. Even in that moment when, when I was expecting to have something nice happen, catch some fish, breathe in some clean air, just spend some time alone on a boat, just in God's nature, and all of a sudden it's like everything that I thought about that moment came crashing to a, a, a halt, and I was done fishing that day. Rest leads us to incredible places, but every time we try to seek out that rest, there's going to be something or someone ready to break that for us. And so we have to be intentional because we can't just come by this rest. We have to be intentional about no matter what happens, setting aside time to rest in God's grace. If we remain frazzled without peace and without rest, we cannot fully follow God's will for our lives. And the devil wants to keep us frazzled and without peace and rest. Rest leads us to the most important part of what we're talking about today, restoration. Scripture tells us that he restores our souls. When the Lord is our shepherd, he gives us restoration. When our soul is discouraged or downcast within us, 
God's going to revive us. He will preserve us. Remember just a couple weeks ago when Elijah was discouraged and wanted to die, God strengthened him and encouraged him to continue. When Peter and the disciples went back to fishing after Jesus had been crucified and they were discouraged, Jesus met them and he encouraged them to continue serving him. When the Lord is our shepherd, he's going to restore us. But for us to get what it means to be restored, we have to understand what the word restore means. The word restore, according to the dictionary, means to bring back a previous right practice, custom, or situation, to reinstate. It also means to return someone or something to a former condition, place, or position. Repair or renovate a building, repair or renovate a work of art, repair or renovate a vehicle, etc. So as to return it to its original condition. What is our original condition? Hmm? Innocent. God created every one of us perfect, but we messed that up starting at the beginning in, in the Garden of Eden. From that moment on, we've been at odds with God. We've been uh, you know, devouring ourselves with the sin that we choose over God every single time. God wants to bring us back to a restoration that where we are now no longer full of sin. We are sinless. We are brought back into the presence of God through the grace, the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. God wants to restore us to perfection like he had us at at the beginning. God wants to renovate and repair our brokenness. God wants to heal our weary souls. He wants to give us back the, the state of relationship that we had when what we had was stolen by our own wants and desires. Restoration is more than just having a good afternoon of fishing on a boat. It's about fostering our connection with our creator and finding ways to be better at following Jesus. Restoration is about being intentional in your relationship with God and finding ways to connect with God. It's about being intentional even when the devil seeks to destroy that intentional rest. The important thing about restoration is that when you embrace God's desire to restore you, you're going to end up with a deeper understanding of who God is and who you are as response to God's love for you. Being pinned and unable to free myself that day on that boat, having to rely on somebody else's help to really save me, opened my spiritual eyes to what was going on in my own spiritual life. I recognize sin in that moment, sin that entangles me, sin that wraps me up, sin that keeps me from doing what I should be doing, Right? Sin has a tendency to wrap each of us up and keep us from being able to fully live out God's purpose for our lives. That situation reminded me of a scripture from the Apostle Paul in the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, 1 through 3. It says this on the screen if you want to follow along here. In Hebrews 12, verse 1, it says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. 
this really weird shock of that connection between my fishing life and my spiritual life helped me grow in my faith because I was reminded that day just how much sin impacts us. I was reminded on that day that my purpose was to go out and be in peace and rest and catch fish, and I couldn't even do that because I cut myself. God invited me in that moment to be better at practicing the things that I believe. And now when I think about how sin wraps us up and he tries to destroy us, I'm reminded that true and godly rest and restoration have the ability to heal us from the pieces of God that we take for granted. So guys, if you hear nothing from me today, hear this. We have to take time to rest and to seek God so that each of us can be restored in our own faith. Jesus invites us to that rest in and through him. He wants us to be restored when we seek him and find him. You can remember in Matthew chapter 11, it says this, Come to me, all you who are weak and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus invites us to a relationship with him that gives us freedom, that gives us rest, that gives us restoration. And we can't find it just by fishing or doing other things. We have to focus our lives on who Jesus wants us to become. Sometimes we can find what that purpose is for our lives when we take time to be in moments of rest. So this week, guys, I invite you to go fishing. I invite you to knit a blanket, to fly a kite, to read a good book, to spend some time in prayer. But take time, friends. Be intentional, and God will show up in those moments and begin to restore you in ways that will change you forever. Don't be about those moments. Be about what God is doing in those moments. because we will never fully know what God has intended for us if we don't fully know God. So take some time this week and get to know him better. Let's pray. Gracious Lord Jesus, what an incredible example you have set for us that even you, Christ, as you walked the earth, took time to go and be with God. That when the world became too busy and too hectic, when people burdened you everywhere you went, that sometimes you stopped and you went into the hills and you sought God. Lord Jesus, thank you for that reminder about how important rest is and prayer and reconnection to our creator is. God, help us even now in these moments of busyness as school is starting for many of us, as jobs are picking up, as we're looking towards what the end of 2021 will bring, as we're preparing for pumpkin spice lattes and Halloween and Christmas, God, let us not be wrapped up with the things of this world, but help us to find the peace and the rest that you've promised us. God, we love you so much. Help us to fight the plans of the devil as we try to, to connect with you, God. Let nothing stand in the way. But our intentions to find you end up having us finding you. 
God, we love you and we thank you for this morning. We ask that as we continue to worship you today, that you would just continue to reveal yourself to us, reveal our purpose in this world, reveal to us who you want us to be. But most of all, God, today in this moment, let us seek your holy rest. God, we love you. And these things we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us on today's Community Cast. We hope that you were blessed by today's conversation. If you'd like to know more about Community Brookside, please feel free to visit us at our website, communitybrookside.com, or find us on your favorite social media outlet. We hope to hear from you soon. Be blessed.